Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. A very special welcome to everyone. If you have perhaps slipped in uh, during the course of the worship, it's uh, great to have you here. My name is Jason, uh, for anyone who's perhaps listening online. Um, And it's just lovely to be able to step into the next of our series that we've entitled Connected Life Patterns to Encounter God. And so last week I took some time to introduce the topic of encounters with God, experiencing God, how vital and important that is for our life and our faith. Some of the experiences that I have had, I know that others have had, um, that have just been so powerful in transforming the whole way that I relate to God, understand my faith, relate to others, and seek to do ministry. And so uh, if you missed that last week, uh, I'd love to encourage you perhaps to get online and to engage with that online and to listen to it. This week, I want to deal a little bit more practically and look at four things that I believe really help us to be able to experience God, to connect with God when we're doing things like reading the Bible. Now, if you're anything like me, this has often for me been a real challenge actually to make a consistent part of my life with God. I have to be really intentional. We were talking about this at Connect Group in the course of the week, um, that it is hard to make time to be with God. It is a real fight to do that. Um, And it is a challenge to make time to be in the scriptures. And yet it's so powerful when we do and so helpful for us when we do. Um, Prayer and fasting, four things that that as we bring these into reading, into prayer, uh, I don't have time to unpack in detail about fasting. I've taught on that before and how how much of an impact that's had in my life, I know in others as well. Times of teaching like this, as we come together as God's people to worship, um, to have uh, biblical teaching, to have our hearts hopefully inspired and awakened by the Word of God. How in these times, in these activities, can we not just hear about God, learn about God, but actually connect with God? And so that's the purpose of this time and hopefully uh, what I'm going to be able to share on. So maybe you want to put your hand on your heart or just sort of open your hands to the Lord and we just invite the Holy Spirit to come, that this would be an experiential time of teaching, experiential in the sense that we would experience the Holy Spirit illuminating the Word of God to us, and it would come alive for us, not because I'm saying it, but because God is saying it to you, that it would be like there's a space next to you, there are not many spaces, but there's a space next to you, and God's sitting in that seat, and as I speak, that he whispers his thoughts and his words into your spirit. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. That all scripture is God-breathed. And so, Lord, we pray for a grace now to breathe in the word of God and have it reshape us, 
retool us, re-inspire us, reinvigorate us in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so the first of these four things I want to mention is that if we're going to engage in the Bible, in prayer, in fasting, in teaching, in uh, worship that Ryan is going to look at next week, then one of the most important things we need to do is actually make experiencing God our goal. If we want to experience God, we need to make experiencing God our goal as we come to the scriptures and to prayer and to times like this. And that might sound really obvious. And yet, actually, it's often not the goal that we have as we come to read and to pray. Um, If you, again, anything like me, we can often come to the Bible to read it for information. We can read it to learn about who God is. When we come to pray, we can come to ask God, to petition God, to work in our lives, to do things for us, or to change the circumstances, perhaps, that we are facing, as opposed to reading for intimacy and praying for connection. Remember, we looked at this last week, God's purpose in creating us was to create people who could experience his goodness and his glory and his presence, not just to learn about it. And so we looked at this scripture, Psalm 105 verse 4. I've got the the verses the right way around this week, uh, which says this, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence or his face, depending on which translation you have, continually. And it's this idea that the constant goal of the Christian life is to be in the very presence of God, that it would be like we are in front of the face of God himself. So that whether we are reading or praying or singing or serving or giving or sacrificing, whatever it is that we would be doing for the Lord, we would be doing it with an awareness and knowledge of his presence. And so we we need to come with this as our goal. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, that we need to take the posture of connection with God. It's important that as we come to the Bible, as we come to prayer, as you come into a space like this uh, to be taught and to be instructed or wherever it is that you're listening to the scriptures, that we approach that with the right heart space. And I've said it here, which is one of humility and expectation. And the two actually go wonderfully together. Humility is about recognizing that I am actually in need. I have need of God in my life. And I am not as wise as he is. I really believe that. I'm not sure about the rest of you, okay? But I really know I am not as wise as he is. I need to learn from him. And when it comes to a debate and a discussion, and ultimately, it's me that needs to change, not God. And so there is a a humility of heart rather than us 
coming to God and wanting him to prove himself to me. And he's got to show me that he's right and I'm wrong because actually in the back of my, my mind and heart, I believe that I am right. And there have been times I've felt like that until God has had to shake me awake so that I can come to my senses. And, and it's interesting to look at the difference between the disciples and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. The Pharisees also heard the very words of God spoken out of the mouth of the living word of God himself, Jesus Christ. And yet they got nothing from it because they couldn't position themselves in humility under him to learn from him, recognizing his ways are higher than our ways. And so our hearts, they need to be humble before the Lord, not like the Pharisees who were constantly trying to test God, interrogate God, demand proof from God. Now, that doesn't mean we can't ask questions. That doesn't mean we don't really wrestle with some of the things that God has said. Look at the disciples. They're constantly asking questions and they are constantly confused. It's so encouraging reading the Gospels and seeing how often they seem to put their foot in it and get it wrong and make mistakes and not understand. And Jesus has to say, do you still not understand? And you can see them all nodding and saying, no, we don't understand. And we have questions. But the way they ask questions is completely different. They ask questions out of a position of trust and love and humility, knowing that God actually does have the answers. And so their questions bring them into intimacy, whereas the Pharisees' questions actually separate them further from Jesus. Some scriptures on this. 1 Peter 5 says this in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. That's not really part of our culture today, is it? To be submissive. That's not a value in our culture. In our culture, we tend to value being able to be on top and aggressive and to assert yourself. Okay? Uh, but submission is not weak. It's incredibly strong. You have to be incredibly internally strong to be able to be biblically submissive. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. And this is why God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We don't want to be being resisted by God. That's not the place that we want to be in. We want to be in the place of humility where God can release grace to us. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You've got one of two paths that we can take. Either we humble ourselves under God and he lifts us up. Or we lift ourselves up and then God has to humble us. I promise this is the more enjoyable path to take. The path of downward ascent. Where we humble ourselves and God lifts us up. And if we want to experience God in the scriptures, in prayer, in worship, 
This needs to be the attitude of our heart. James chapter 4 says this, Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor or grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. This is the downward ascent. This is us humbling ourselves before the Lord, recognizing our need for God. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility doesn't mean we believe we have no value or that we carry no expectation for God to do great things in our lives. There is a difference between expectation, though, and entitlement. Entitlement and expectation are different for this reason. Um, Expectation has thankfulness as an integral part of it. Okay, that's the difference between expectation and entitlement is thankfulness. If I can have expectation that God will draw near to me as I draw near to him, as opposed to I am proud and I expect God to act when I do my bit because God needs to do his bit because I prayed and I fasted and I went to church. Do you see the difference? As opposed to, wow, God, I have broken everything and yet you have been so good to me. I am so thankful that you have promised when I come to you, you will draw near to me. And there's expectation with humility. Okay, so we need the right posture as we come before the Lord in the scriptures and in prayer. Third thing is this. We need to look for God's self-disclosure. The way that God communicates his emotions and his feelings and his thoughts to us. We need to learn to read and to pray and to be in environments like this and actually experience, become sensitive to God's emotions towards us. I want to read you something from John chapter 5. If you're taking notes uh, or taking pictures of the screen, I see that that's another way that people take notes today. Isn't that clever? You're welcome to do that. I thought people were taking pictures of me. Uh, and then I realized that wasn't actually what was happening. They were taking photos of the, of the scriptures, which is a much better thing to take a picture of. Okay, John chapter 5, verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, Jesus says. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. This is what... Jesus is challenging some of the people that have become hard to him and his ministry about. We need to recognize the value and importance and significance of the Bible in the sense that it sets up the true invitation of relationship with God. 
And just as we heard earlier, we, we can't actually, or it's very difficult to know God fully, accurately, truly without the Scriptures. And yet knowing the Bible doesn't mean that we know God. The Bible is not God. The Bible is God's true invitation to us. And if we only ever read the Bible to learn more about God, but we don't take the next step into encountering relationship with God, then we've only begun the journey. We haven't actually completed the process. If we're only engaging in teaching times like this so that we can be stimulated and learn more about God and learn more about sort of interesting things about us and about others, those are all great things. But they're meant to be the platform that we stand on in order to actually embrace God himself. And Jesus says, don't read the scriptures and neglect to actually come to me, that you could know me through the scriptures. Okay, psychologists Erwin Altman and Dalmas Taylor formulated uh, the theory of social penetration. Okay, that sounds quite interesting perhaps for some, but essentially what it was was this, that relationships move from shallow to intimate as we self-disclose with one another. And the more that we self-disclose of ourselves to the other person and they disclose to us, the further down this journey of intimate relationship we can go. And there is language for this journey of intimacy. Okay, And it begins with sort of cliches. And just to say that appropriate relationships that have appropriate levels of intimacy, and we don't have intimate relationships with everyone, but with your closest friends, with your family members, with your spouse, with your children, our relationships are meant to move through these layers. Okay, It begins with the sort of social norms and cliches. You know, hi, how are you doing? Look at the weather. You know, hasn't it been changeable um, or, or whatever? You know, what did you get up to this weekend? Oh, you, did you see the ashes? Oh, dear. You know, or did you watch the, did you watch the football? You know, wasn't it fantastic? And, and so that's important. We need a start there. But we're not really getting to intimately know someone if that's where it remains. It then moves down to opinions and feelings. This is what I think about this. You know, these are my hopes. These are some of the things I hope to be able to do with my life. Do you see how that language is becoming, there's, there's a greater degree of self-disclosure there. And then as we get down to the bottom two there, feelings and needs. If I begin to self-disclose my feelings and my needs with you, I'm now letting you into sort of the deepest part of who I am. And so we need to be sensible about who we do that with, but it needs to move along that progression with our deeper relationships. And the thing about relationships, we know when they're not balanced. You know, if I'm having a chat with someone and I'm sort of pouring out my heart, my deepest feelings and desires and, and problems, and they respond with sort of, gee, Jason, hasn't the weather been been sunny lately, uh, you know, and that's the only level they, it, the, the relationship doesn't feel balanced, does it? You know, and I suddenly realize, oh, I went too far too fast uh, in this relation. And I think profoundly, this is where many Christian people get stuck in experiencing a relationship with God. 
because we learn about God. We learn true things about God. We know what God thinks about certain things. And we then pour out our feelings and our needs to God, but we miss God's self-disclosure of His feelings and His emotions to us. And so the relationship never feels balanced. It feels like I'm pouring out to God and God's not pouring back to me. And the relationship doesn't feel emotionally intimate because we've missed God's self-disclosure to us. And we need to begin to learn to read the Bible catching God's emotional self-disclosure for us. It's not the only way we read the Bible, but it's an important part of being able to do that. And so think, for example, of John 17 and Ephesians 3. We've got Jesus' prayer for the church and Paul's prayer for the church. It's interesting to look at those two together. So um, Jesus prays this. He prays that we would be one and united. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. That's all of you even as you have loved me. So Jesus is saying, I want my church to know that God, the Father, loves them even as you've loved me. The love the Father has for you is the same as the love that the Father has for his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that a profound thing? Ephesians 3 Paul's prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, hold on, which passes knowledge. In other words, this is an experiential knowledge of the love of Christ, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, if you read passages like this at a head knowledge level, you come away as a Christian going, yeah, I, I, I believe God truly said that he loves me. That's very different to reading this as an invitation, as like you go to a restaurant, this is the menu. And the menu is God loves you like he loves the sun. And you go, okay, I'll order a bit of that. And you say, yes, please, could I have some? And then they bring it to the table and you actually eat it. The difference between reading fillet steak with golden crispy fries and a pepper mushroom sauce or whatever sort of floats your taste bud boat, um, you know, and, and it actually coming to the table and eating it. The difference between reading it and eating it is incredibly different. Just as the difference between knowing it's there and experiencing it is completely different. Then we come away going, I know and I know that God loves me. Because I've waited. I've received the invitation. I've, I've waited for it to come to the table. I've, I've positioned my heart. I've prayed. I've longed for. I've trusted. God, help me to sense, be aware. The self-disclosure. You've said that you love me. Help me to feel it. And truth becomes encounter. And that's what changes our lives. 
truth becomes encounter. It's not just that God loves us, though, or at least it, it, his love permeates everything, but, but God's self-disclosure to us, his emotional self-disclosure is so rich. Think of Hebrews chapter 12, perhaps on slightly the other end of the spectrum. It says in verse 5, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement, it sounded good so far, that addressed you as a father addresses his son? It still sounds good at this point. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Ah, oh dear. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. This is getting harder because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone who he accepts as a son. And there's, there's something about us learning to even feel how God feels when we've mucked up, when we've sinned. When we've done the wrong thing. And he now, as a father, comes to lovingly, perfectly discipline and correct us. God rebukes us. If you have never felt and experienced God's rebuke, you've not fully entered into the experience of being a child of God yet. Isn't that profound and powerful? Because he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Why? Why is that so important? Well, again, if you're anything like me, you still make mistakes and get things wrong. And those things can really deeply offend God. And we get this on a human level. This is so difficult. I'm not sure if you've been in a position where, where someone has hurt you and they've now come to apologize for what they've done. But you know they haven't really understood how much they hurt you. They haven't really felt what it was like for you. They haven't sort of engaged with it. They, knew, they know they did something wrong and they sort of say sorry really quickly and you now have to forgive them, but you know they don't get it. You, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in that position. And it's a bit like that in our relationship with God. If we just repent from here and we haven't felt that what we've done has broken God's heart, that it's offended him, that it's hurt him, that it's wounded him, that it's, the, the language is grief, that God experiences grief over our sin. If we don't feel that, it's very difficult to completely repent through that process and actually be changed and, trans uh, and transformed. So God wants us to engage with the full array of his emotions towards us. He delights over us with singing. Do you feel that delight sometimes? Do you, do, is it like a, a sort of embrace around you that God delights? I, I am, I, I don't know how, but, but somehow God delights in me. He loves me. He cares for me. He delights in you. You know, you wake up in the morning and God is singing over you, is what the scripture says. He doesn't condemn us. He's for us. He's kind to us. He thinks about you all the time. You know what it feels like to have someone constantly thinking about you? 
in, 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 in every kind of positive way. You know, you're in a romantic relationship and, and, and hopefully it starts but also continues like this, you know. And you get the WhatsApps and the texts through the course of the day. Hey, just thinking about you, you know. Hey, can't wait to see you later on. Or I saw something, it reminded me of you. Or does that, does that happen in the relationships, you know. Or maybe you're trying to get a relationship going and you send a couple of those to see if you get responses. So God is thinking about us. Do, do we emotionally engage with that? He's jealous for your time and for your affections. Okay, so that was the third thing. This is the last, and just quickly, we need to learn to pray ourselves into connection. And, and again, this isn't the only way to pray. We need to be interceding. We need to be praying for people. We need to be praying for leaders. We need to be praying for leaders in our nation. One of the big things we're going to be doing at Celebrate, the, uh, the weekend that's coming up for some of us, is praying for our nation. What a timely thing. We didn't realize when we set this up about a year ago that we would be in the country where we are in the next couple of weeks and to be praying for our nation and praying for our leaders. That's a type of prayer. But we also need to learn the prayer language of intimacy and of connection. I mentioned last week uh, about Alexander Fenter and, and the prayer that he uh, has taught and that I have uh, benefited from so much. I'll send it out. Uh, we, can, we can add it to the, the newsletter that goes out um, in, the, in the week ahead so that you've got it and you can read it. But I want to read it to you. Just, just by the way, Alexander Fenter is the keynote speaker at the upcoming Vineyard Conference for this year. Um, and just a really an amazing man. If you want to uh, get online and listen to him stuff, uh, you'd be really blessed. This is the prayer. I want to read it to you, and then we're going to pray it through ourselves um, and have some music on in the background and hopefully take a moment to connect with God because that's the desire of this time. So this is the prayer that he sort of learnt and teaches. And you can make it your own. Okay? Feel free to adapt it. But I think it's, it's powerful. Father and Son, my body is your temple. And you just wait and, and reflect on that. That my body is your temple. Think of the imagery of God's presence filling the temple in the Old Testament to the point that the, the priests could not even stand to minister before the Lord. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. By your Holy Spirit, let me sense, and he explains the first thing he, he's meaning in his body, let me sense in my physical body your indwelling presence. Let me feel emotionally in my heart your warm emotions to me let me think your wise thoughts let me hear your intimate voice let me see your creative works let me breathe your sweet abiding fragrance let me speak your life-giving words let me touch your broken creation. You know, there, there are some streams, and I guess there are some people who have criticized a, a focus on, on intimacy with God. And, you know, that we get all caught up in ourselves and connecting with God, and it doesn't translate into, into authentic, you know, sort of 
action on behalf of those who are needy and the, and the poor and the broken. And, and intimacy with God has to translate into love for others and into caring for others. Let me touch your broken creation. Let me walk your righteous ways. Let me do your perfect will as it is in heaven. Just a beautiful prayer of connection with God. And so, do you want to stand? Let's stand together. And we don't have the worship team, so in just a moment, I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll put a song on which can play in the background. It can be a chance for us just to reflect on this. But I want to give you a moment. We're not going to do this all out loud together. But in your own mind, maybe you want to look up at the screen you might want to just whisper it to the Lord. You might want to um, you know, just perhaps say it in your own, in your own heart. But, but let's take it, an opportunity to pray this through and invite the presence of God to come and touch us and fill us and shape us. Okay, so I'm not going to lead us through it, but you can pray it. Make it your own words. Let it come from your own heart. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.